Welcome to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, where we sit down and talk with strength coaches, personal trainers, nutritionalists, and other professionals in the fitness and strength and conditioning field to help athletes, parents, coaches, small business owners help level up their game to provide athletes and clients world-renowned success, either in the weight room, on the field, or on the platform. Enjoy today's episode. On episode five of the Thirst for More podcast, I sit down with CJ Murphy, aka Murph, anybody that knows who he is. He owns Total Performance Sports over in Malden, Massachusetts, which is in the Boston area. You've not heard of him. He basically owns TPS and TPSmethod.com, where he helps train people online and helps provide a really good affordable training service, but also has trained people in person for over two decades. His gym has been around for 21 years. He's also one of the original guys that's been on Elite FTS, and that's how I got to go Murph personally myself, and he's been a tremendous help for me in terms of gen ownership and being able to get in the industry and kind of get my hands in different places. You can find Murph's stuff, like I said, at tpsmethod.com. You can find him on Instagram. He's also been featured in Muscle and Fitness, Health and Fitness, Maxim. His gym's been voted the top 20 in America twice. Like He's just got everything kind of compiled on his resume that is just incredibly impressive from a gym ownership perspective, but also the fact that he's operated his facility in three different places. So we talk about moving his facilities and how to how he has kind of basically had to pivot positions uh, each move and how he's been able to do that. And we also talk about his current situation within COVID-19, both of us being gym owners, we understand what it was like to have our businesses shut down and what he's currently going through in the Massachusetts area which is why we kind of bumped this episode up on our general playlist from what I had planned to have it post. So I wanted to make this kind of relevant for our current situation. Murph is one of the funniest people that you will ever meet in the strength, conditioning, health, and fitness area. This is completely uncensored, so if you do not like it's very strong language. Murph literally does not give a crap whatsoever. He's straight, blunt, to the point. He's going to tell you how it is, but that's also why I like Murph, and I think that's why most people like Murph as well, because he's going to give you the lowdown on what he actually thinks about a current situation or position, and he's not going to worry about being politically correct, so to speak. So, like I said, Murph is one of my good friends. If you like this episode, I know me and Murph have already talked about having a potential second episode because we had so much we could talk about. We basically had to cut ourselves off to be able to kind of stay within a good time frame and kind of keep the content kind of focused towards one thing or the other. But please enjoy this episode with Murph. You'll get some laughs. You'll take some stuff away. And again, I look forward to having Murph on again. So enjoy the episode. Hey, Murph, this is Brandon Smilly. How you doing, man? Hey, Brandon, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. You hanging in there with the COVID stuff? Uh, we're, um, yeah, we're hanging in there. We're having a little tough time like everybody else around here is. I don't know if you know, but, um, the governor in Massachusetts has a four phase plan, uh, with some pretty ridiculous names and gyms are in phase three in contradiction to the federal government's order of phase one and phase three can't possibly begin until June 29th. Uh, and that is going to be with, as far as we know, severe restrictions. So, I have formed a task force along with, uh, I'm sure you know Greg and Tony over at the Strength House. Yep. Yeah. So Tony, Greg and Nancy and I formed a task force um, 
to try to get an audience with the governor and his task force and tell them that we can operate our businesses safely. Uh, we don't operate like big box gyms. And, you know, you know the kind of facility we run. We yep. think we can do it. And uh, we have, like I said, we have a four-phase plan as well. Phase one is going to be to um, implement or write and hopefully implement operational and opening procedures that are not going to be I would say the draconian regulations that the government is going to place on us. You know, you know how to yeah. operate the facility. We know how to operate yours. And uh, phase two and phase three, phase four will happen as they go along. And one of the things that people seem to be missing in this whole gym opening and infection, things like that. And I don't want to be, ins I don't want to come off as insensitive to people that have been infected or passed away. I'm not at all, but, you know, there's, there's a balance that we have to strike here. And, you know, they told us that they were going to close us for two weeks in Massachusetts to flatten the curve. And then when I hate using the terms, but when the curve got flattened, they moved the goalpost on us and they've kept, kept moving the goalpost left mm -hmm. and right. Right. So I've been, I've been owning my gym for 21 years and I've been working in gyms for about 30 years. Okay. I've owned my own, like I said, 21 years as a gym owner and employee of gyms and weight rooms and things like that. We both know there's three things that are highly contagious and pretty, pretty common in these facilities, uh, staff, strep, and MRSA. Yep. And we've never had an outbreak of, of it, nor has anybody on our task force, because as business owners, we all know if we don't operate a clean facility, people will not come. It's not 1979 uh, or 1982 when I first started going to gyms, and there was only one gym in five towns. So that gym might have how many members, who knows? And the gym owners didn't care. The places were filthy. Uh, you're, you might be a little too young to remember that, but they never cleaned the gym and you didn't touch anything if you didn't have to. It was gross, but yeah. we yeah, don't operate that anymore. anymore. No, and, and you really can't because if you do, you're not going to have a business in the first place because nobody's going to freaking come. Bro, if, if somebody catches Mercer in here, it's going to be on Instagram and the Board of Health is going to be down here and we're going to be the scourge of the nation, right? So if we're aware of these things that we know are extremely contagious, you know, I don't know what the contagion level is between, you know, the three things I listed and, and coronavirus, but I do know that MRSA is highly contagious and spreads like wildfire. Yeah, you know, I've it, I've had, uh, being a wrestler, I've had my fair share of ringworm in my life. And ringworm too, right? But we don't have, um, that was a concern when we had boxing and MMA and Muay Thai, but we don't have that anymore. So we were constantly disinfecting the mats. So yeah. we never put warm up right, you know? Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that we can get an audience with the governor um, or at least the governor's task force that will allow us to open up. And because I, I know that if this goes, you know, too much longer, there's a, a potential risk reward or, you know, after talking to Dave, Dave Tate, uh, we discussed this at length that, you know, is it going to be, are you going to be able to, to open up even if they say you are because of the debt that you're now facing, right? I'm facing yeah. a lot of debt because my rent is due, my property taxes are due. Um, and the rent up here isn't like the rent where you are. Your rent is probably, it's low. It's probably 20% of mine. Probably. Uh, you know, rent in the Boston area is, you know, when I tell people from other states, like I told JL what I paid, and, and that's, I pay what he pays for three facilities. Right. You know, in Ohio. So uh, the rent's piling up, the taxes are piling up, the electric bill's piling up, the gases, you know, all the bills, the toilet paper bills, pile, everything piles up, and it, it's arithmetic. If you got $100 coming in and you got to send $10,000 out, that's a fiscal deficit that you may not be able to recover from in seven months. Yeah. Yeah. And the, say we can open. Yeah. And, and the fact that the, the money that they allotted to 
businesses like us was next to nothing. If you even got, got any at all. Um, I know after talking with you, we, we did get a little bit of money with the EIDL, but we're so low staff between just me and my wife and a part-timer though, you know, we didn't get that much money. I was like, Oh, well, there's maybe, you know, maybe not even a month's worth <laughs> right there. So, <laughs> I mean, it's better than nothing, but, um, and we couldn't, I don't know that, for the PPP, so. I don't know that it is better than nothing for a couple of reasons. One, like, so I got the PPP in EIDL. Um, I'd love to tell you how much I got. I really don't want to put my business out there on the internet, but yeah, the, don't blame the, the PPL, it, it's supposed to be eight and a half weeks and it, it's, it's, um, you know, it didn't fund all my employees. It only funded my full-time employees. So all my yeah. full-time employees are getting paid for the PPL period. And then the EIDL loan that's sitting in an escrow account right now, because if this continues and continues, I'm not going to be, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt to the federal government and my business can't reopen because that EID alone is not enough to cover the expenses that I'm in the hole for right now. Right. And right. on the other note, right. You know, a lot, some people may agree with me. Some people may disagree with me and I just don't care. The government forced me to close my business. Okay. It doesn't matter what the reason is. The government forced me to close my business. And then the government offered to allow me to go in debt to them with interest for 30 yep. years and yep. to play UCC file and a hold on all my property. But yeah. had they just not forced me to close my business and operate in a reasonable and safe manner and allow people to make the choice, whether they want to leave their homes or not leave their homes or whatever, you know, I wouldn't be in debt to the government. Yep. So now the government owns my business. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's not essentially, they just do, you know, yep. You know, if you read if you read the terms on the EIDL, you can't sell a pencil without letting them know. Yep. You know, yep. so it's 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 a very precarious situation we're in right now, and it's kind of terrifying. Right. Yeah. So with because um, I, I really didn't want to talk to you about the COVID nineteen because we they actually moved us up. So today was our first day that we could operate quote unquote normal. So we didn't have to do the the scheduling and, and, and all that, which they had, you know, by appointment businesses. So, which did, you know, we can luckily do that, but. Um, Is there a capacity on your. Uh, they, did, they did not. From what I read all week, whenever he came out with stuff, there was nothing for gyms in terms of capacity limits. That's awesome. All, all it really? said was that, you know, the social distancing six foot, make sure that your equipment is spaced out. Um, make sure that you've got, signage you know that people need to wash their hands and and use um hand sanitizer so they were encouraging you to have hand sanitizer stations you know by the bathrooms and by the entrance doors yeah yeah so that i was like all right well we already had we've had hand sanitizer since day one at the door so it's not a big deal we don't have to change that um the only thing that we they're obviously encouraging if you use something wipe it down well we already encouraged that too so that wasn't any any big change. We're just Fer Fer Fergus being... Conley has a great quote. I don't mean to cut you off, but it's okay. on exactly what you said. Fergus Conley is a brilliant author, uh, and he's a good dude. I've, I've messaged him on Instagram quite a few times. Uh, but he's got a great quote in one of his books, um, and it is, culture coaches when you're not around. When you're not around. Okay? So here at TPS, and it, it's I'm sure at your place at Thirst, I don't need to tell my members to rack their weights. Right. I don't need to tell my members to wipe the benches down when they're done. I don't need to tell my members, you're going to see my bathroom. Their bathroom's jammed all the time. They, uh, before this happened, people go in and wash up before they train. They wash up after they train. We have a different demographic 
than a yeah. lot of gyms. We have, a, you know, the, the demographic we have is, I'm sure, similar to yours. It's a slightly higher educated, probably a slightly higher income, and it's people that are a little bit more aware of, I don't want to say hygiene, but I'm going to say hygiene, yeah. uh, because one of my facilities was a plain old commercial gym that was open to everybody. It was my last location, and we hated it, and it was a disaster. My first two locations, culture, culture, culture. Third location was so big, 40,000 square feet, you could not create culture. Uh, it was just, a, it was a monster. And, uh, you know, the culture is back. And so if culture coaches when you're not around, that, and, which it does, right? Do you understand that quote, what it means, right? So you set the tone and everybody lives by that tone. And it's a positive tone. We all look out for each other. Uh, we all clean up after each other. We all respect the facility, respect the equipment. Uh, we don't have the issues that a lot of these other places have because we have a different culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the only, the other thing that they posted on there was that, you know, people could, you know, wear masks if they, if they wanted to, and that that was socially fine. And that they, I want to say that they were encouraging us to do it as um, employees, but me and my wife discussed and we're like, you know, it, well, one, we don't have AC. And so the heat is coming and I was like, I'm not going to have a mask on and kill myself uh, coaching all day, especially when I'm running around with 10 to 18 year old kids. Like I'm, I'm literally moving around all day. I'm not sitting on my butt like the average gym employee at an AC desk. Um, so we, we opted to not do that. And we let everyone know that, you know, we weren't. And if, you know, if that bothered them to let us know, and then we would have that discussion. If we had to do one-on-one -on -one stuff to make them feel comfortable, we would work with them on that. But everybody so far is fine with it. So for us, what I told everybody, we, we are doing our own facility cap at 50% to, to give us a little bit of an edge in terms of what we're, I want to say, appear that we're taking this more seriously than other gyms. Because I can tell you right now from in our area, everyone's like, oh, the gym's open. Let's just go at the fool. And I'm like, well, we're going to control it a little bit because we won't, we had events planned for June and now because of the gathering rules, we can't have the events we had. So I said, well, we're just going to shrink our capacity down to 50%, which for our gym is a little over 60 people. It's like 62 or 63 is what half of ours would be, which I can tell you now our gym never has that many people in at one time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with us, we got 10,000 square feet here. Right. And the restrictions that are, you know, in place for a lot of businesses in massive, it depends on the business and it depends on what your checkbook looks like, right? Because yeah. it's safe to go to Walmart, it's safe to go to Target, but it's not safe to go to Foot Locker. Yeah. I don't understand that. Um, you know, it's safe to go to Costco. There was a thousand people in Costco the other day. The parking lot was full, but it was safe to go there, but it's not safe to come in here. So we get 10,000 square feet. And one of the things that we're pushing is we've modeled after Michigan and Ohio and some other states with their plans uh, from their independent um, suggestions is, is 100 square feet per member. Right. So that puts my capacity at a hundred. I've never had a hundred fucking people in this building. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a hundred people in this building, somebody would come in and say, I'm not going in there. It's too busy. Yeah. Right. Yep. So if they just let us regulate ourselves, we know what to do. Yep. You know, and that's not, I'm not saying I'm a virologist or an epidemiologist, but I do have a fairly large amount of common sense. Right. And I'm also a germaphobe by nature. So, <laughs> uh, you know, if you have a germaphobe running a building, you're probably less likely to contract something than a non-germaphobe. Yeah. You know, I wash my hands a hundred times a day. So it's, uh, it's a personality quirk, I guess, but it's kept me safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, our, so you guys are basically going to do similar to what, uh, JL and 
uh, Joe Sullivan and them did to to try to I don't want to say fight the government. That kind of sounds so bad, but to, to make a make a key point for Massachusetts gyms to that you can operate differently than we're gonna we're gonna do what we need to do. But we have a short timeline, and we're behind the eight ball because the governor here is um has not been clear in his directions on a lot of things. Uh, so I'm trying to choose my words in case he listens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had expected that we would be able to open up in phase one because that's what the federal guidelines were. And then when phase one came around, we weren't included. Uh, and he also in phase one gun stores were considered, uh, regardless of what your position on guns is, gun stores were considered um, essential operations. They were here too. Because it, because it's 2A, it's a constitutional right. And without having people call into the podcast and debate about that, the governor and the attorney general here banned gun stores and ranges from being open. And the gun stores and ranges have a massive lobby in Massachusetts, and they sued the governor and won in federal court. And the federal judge gave a pretty scathing commentary on the, the governor's closure of it. So we don't particularly want to sue the governor if we don't have to. So what we're trying to do is to create more of a grassroots thing. And like I said, we're behind the eight ball because we had expected this and that, and he didn't say anything. And then uh, about two weeks ago, I think he announced the new guidelines with us in phase three, which means we can't open till like a minimum of June 29th. Okay. Right. Minimum. Right. So that's going to keep us closed almost six months. I don't know. Anybody's got six months of cash reserves. I just no, don't know this business. No, um, no. But so we don't want to have to sue the governor, but we're in the process of forming uh, a lawsuit based on the Ohio suit and some other, some other states. And what we're trying to do is get a grassroots movement. So the governor's office has stated that they don't want phone calls to people that I've had my members calling for about a month and they keep telling them we don't want phone calls. So we've got a, uh, a group of about 40 business owners that's growing every day. And between us, you know, we got a minimum of 4,000 members. So if 25% of those people call the governor's office, Elizabeth Warren's office, Ed Markey's office, the state reps and, and things like that, and the state senators, uh, that's going to be a thousand phone calls a day to each of them. And I don't think 25% is an unreasonable number because my members are telling me they're calling all the time. And I don't think they're going to email me and lie and say, Hey, I just called. I think they're, you know, I think they're calling. Right. So that phone's ringing off the hook all day. It's going to drive them insane. And unfortunately, you know, you have two ways to, to get through to the government. Initially, one is a protest and I'm not a protest guy. Um, I'm not going to show up at a protest because I have to go to work. Um, yeah. So I, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, and, and two is, is to make phone calls. And if, if they tell you that they want emails and not phone calls, well, you damn well better send phone calls because an email is easily deleted. Yes. And if, if his staff is tied up all day answering the phone and it's the same call, all day for three weeks, they're going to listen. Mm. You would hope, right? So hopefully, you know, their phones are ringing for three or four days. They're going to be like, what the fuck, man? We got to talk to these people and see what they're all about. And hopefully it works out like that. And hopefully we don't have to uh, hire a lobby group, which we're in the process of, of, of investigating. Uh, I spoke with Mike Boyle uh, a couple of days ago. He gave me a call. And most of the people listening should know he should know who he yeah, is. He basically, yeah. he basically invented personal training and strength coaching. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately for me, um, I've known Mike for a long time. He's a good friend. Uh, so we were talking and I was telling him about our group and he said, they just formed a group and they're getting a lobbyist and uh, they're, you know, in the process of filing a constitutional suit. So we're going to look into merging with his group. And so if, right now, then you got a hundred people, you know, 
Yeah. Um, but we want to go about it, you know, in Mass, there's a gym uh, where a guy in Oxford, Mass, just opened his gym and basically said, fuck you to the governor. And as much as I may agree with that as a libertarian uh, mindset, I don't think that's the right approach. Yeah, I think I think we saw from New Jersey. I'm not sure if you saw today, but oh, that, yeah, the yeah that, 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 that was very well spoken. Unlike unlike other people, that guy was well spoken. Yes, yeah, but yeah. He he made good points, and and he you know, he said he was very professional about it. But I did see today that uh, they arrested. Uh, people. Yeah, they arrested him, and the government shut down like his uh, water supply and. Mm-hmm and did all that for him today. So at least that's what I saw on social media. So obviously that, like you said, you got to try to pay the bills, but if you get open two days and then they yank all your business license stuff, you're probably not paying bills. Well, there's also, there's also something people I consider with that. A lot of my members have said to me, dude, why don't you just open? And you know, you almost get tired of explaining it, but you have to, I have to explain it. People don't realize that, you know, if you fuck with the city, or if you fuck with the state, they have an unlimited ability to fuck with you for the next 15 years, right? So why open that door? I have a very good relationship with the city I'm in, in the mayor's office. Uh, I have no interaction with the state, but, and that's good. You don't want to have any interaction with the state, but I have a good relationship with the mayor's office and, 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 you know, they help us out when we need to be helped out in in a manner they can help us out, you know, uh, and, and it's, it's a, I can call up the mayor's number one guy and say, I've got a problem with this. How can, how can the mayor's office help? And they do, right? Why would I want to burn that relationship? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense by saying, because if, even if I open up and say, screw you to the governor, I'm saying, screw you to the mayor. Yeah. Because the mayor's going to hear about it from the governor, right? Yeah. And then if you bring it, it, shit rolls downhill, right? So if I bring shit on him, you know, I, I'm not saying that the mayor of this city is going to be that way because he doesn't seem that way. But it, it, typical across the world politics, you fuck with somebody in government, they're sending a building inspector down today. They're sending a trash inspector down tomorrow. They're sending a parking clerk down the next day to put tickets on your cars. Uh, they're not going to renew your permits, so they're going to make you jump through hoops. So you're opening yourself up to all kinds of liability and nonsense for the next, as, as long as you're in business. So the approach that the guy in Oxford took to me while I may agree with it on a, on a fundamental philosophical level is just, it's not the approach to take in business uh, or in politics. Uh, you want to go the peaceful route first and let's be reasonable and let's talk about this first and show you that we're responsible and intelligent and we can do this the right way and, and minimize people's risk. And one of the things that our governor says, I don't want to talk about this COVID bullshit for the next two hours, but one of the things <laughs> our governor said is, phase four, which is, is going to be what he calls the new normal. If that's not the most Orwellian bullshit you've ever heard in your life, <laughs> I don't know, right? Um, so nobody knows what the new normal is going to be, but we know that the new normal phase four is going to be what he has said as close to the old normal as we can get. And it will not be until there is a vaccine and we are safe. Well, I hate to inform Governor Baker but as a human race, we have never been safe. There has always been a virus. There has always been a predator. There has always been a disease or a natural disaster. And this is not the last one we're going to face. So we will never be safe ever yeah. as a race. So we can either hole up in our houses and curl up in a ball, or we can just buck up and take reasonable precautions. Don't be stupid. Right? Yep. And, and live our lives. And if we also know that health and fitness 
is the best way to combat this because the majority of people that are affected by this are either unhealthy or unfit or a combination of the two or elderly, right? So the amount of people, and I'm not telling anybody anything they haven't heard now, right? But the amount of people that go to the gym and lift weights and or exercise and do CrossFit or Spartan races, the amount of people that, that catch COVID in that, that group is low and the amount of people that die from it is minuscule, okay? Yes. So, and, and the other thing is, uh, you know, I had one of my lifters catch it, a multiply kid, a uh, pretty good lifter. And uh, he caught it and he was hospitalized for it. And he was out fairly quickly at the beginning of this. And and the doctor told him that, you know, he told me, the doctor told him, and I don't think he's going to lie, that if he was not young and healthy and lifting weights with an incredibly strong immune system from proper diet, nutrition, and exercise, it would have been a lot worse for him. So if if we know that healthy diet, nutrition, and exercise makes us more resistant to disease, why would you tell people to sit home, watch Netflix, and suck it up? Yeah, yeah. It makes no sense. It, uh, so anyway. Yeah, and and what I, have, I, I kind of hope personally is that people, politics and everything aside, I hope people realize that their health and wellness is a priority more so than when they think that it is not. Because there's too many people that think, well, I – I want to be able to go do this and I want to be able to enjoy that. And I don't really care about, you know, I don't want to count calories, whatever that. And I tell people, you know, you don't have to go to that kind of extreme to live a quote unquote healthy lifestyle, but you don't value your health until something like this literally says that you need to value your health. Because like you said, if you are healthy, your chances are tremendously lower than somebody who is unhealthy and making that, you know, our gyms wouldn't count as this, but you know, even going to some place like, planet fitness or a, a regular 24 hour box gym and just being able to do some cardiovascular exercise and do a little bit of strength training and just quit eating garbage for, you know, every night of the week for your dinner, just do a little bit of that. That might take you a long way in terms of your, your health and your longevity and, and, and giving you more time with your kids and your wife or whatever. And I hope people can come to value that because like you said, this is not going to be the first, there's not gonna be the last one, especially now that they've pulled, the the sheets over our eyes once who says that they're not going to do it again because now that it's been broke they've known that they can do it if they have to do it again which i I got i got two things to and we could probably wrap up the COVID section uh number one right this will not be the last lockdown there will be another lockdown make a mental note of that say murph said it and i'm sure other people said there will be another lockdown and it will be more severe when i don't know but it's going to happen i'm i'm very comfortable making that prediction and two um, you mentioned that this is a wake-up call for people to be more healthy, and I see the opposite uh, in Massachusetts. Um, what I'm seeing for stats is that the last number I saw was that alcohol sales have increased 400%. Now, that's including bars being closed. Alcohol sales have increased more than 400%. I love booze, right? I, you know yeah. I love hundos, right? Yep. I love booze and hundos. Um, but I'm not a daily drinker, and it appears that if alcohol sales have increased 400%, that more people are drinking. And they've also said that restaurant takeout business has increased. So I don't know what the correlation between the amount of restaurant sales versus takeout, but more people are getting takeout, which that just goes to reason. But, you know, if the takeout places are jammed every single night, most restaurants aren't busy Monday through Thursday. No. But the takeout places, every place around here is jammed. It's an hour delivery, no matter where you call any night of the week. So, that's going to tell you that more people are eating unhealthy food, 
right? So there, there's everyday foods and there's sometimes foods and restaurant foods are sometimes food, right? Yes. You gotta talk to people like the little kids. We shouldn't be eating sometimes foods every day. So I don't think that a lot of people in my state at least are taking this as a wake up call to be more healthy. Yeah, I, I guess I should have said, hopefully they, oh, yeah. we, we would want that, that they think that way. Unfortunately, yeah, no, it's absolutely. not going to. Yeah, I agree, I'm just, to, but... I'm just telling you what I've seen here. Um, so, you know, who knows? Uh, all we can do is hope that what we're doing is going to work in Massachusetts and other states are going to go the same route and let more businesses open up. And if people decide that they're in a high risk group or, it, you know, if you decide that you're scared and you don't want to walk down that alley, don't walk down the fucking alley. Dude, yeah. Right. If, if you decide that you're not scared and you want to walk into a dangerous alley, well, you're a moron, but it's your free choice. But if you decide that you're in a healthy demographic and you want to go to the gym and you know that your gym is clean, you should be able to go. And, you know, we can do this all day. If you want to go to Target, why can't you go to a different store? Mm -hmm. It's a store. Yep. (laughs) Right? So, I don't know. What else we got? All right. So, enough about the COVID. So, um, I'm not sure – if anyone listens, you knows of your gym TPS. If they don't and they lift weights, they're an absolute idiot that they don't know of you and or your gym. Um, so just for everyone to get a brief breakdown, because I don't even know if I know the the 100% true history of TPS. I, I know that you, TPS was 21 years old. I know that's probably one of the longest standing quote unquote real gyms in the country still today. Um, and then all your trainings, no BS. And then you've obviously had your hands with uh, – men's health and fitness magazines and the editing stuff and helping with them with material. And then obviously being with elite, you're probably one of the oldest people with Dave Tate and elite FTS that I can think of off the headline. person I can think of is maybe Bob Young's may rest in peace. Jimmy and Bob. Um, I maybe think Spud. Schwab. Uh, Schwab is around the same time. Jimmy Spud. Um, yes, Wendell, Spud yep. uh, Mark Botley. Uh, I think Steve Goggins. Um, yeah, it's a very short list, <laughs> and, and that's a very good list to be on. Yeah, I, I, I look back, and I, I'm like, I don't know how I'm in the same league as these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These guys are legends, man. Yeah. So go ahead and tell people about how TPS got started, and, and, and the, like you said, you're in your, I think you said, third facility, how you've kind of bounced around from uh, the facility to everything. Because I know you were – now you're in Malden. Where did you used to, to be out of? So I'll give I'll give a, a short 21 year history as short as I can because it's okay. a, it's kind of a I think it's an interesting story but we started out in a, a 900 square foot karate school I was teaching kickboxing boxing and Muay Thai for a very good friend of mine and personal training at a couple of local gold's gyms and uh, he and I went to an auction and purchased some gym equipment and we put it in the back room and he said this is just for us I said okay that's great so a couple of weeks later you know. Um, so the back room was 900 square feet that I started in and I said, I'm going to bring my personal training clients here. And he goes, it's not going to turn into a power lift, a strongman gym, no matter what. I'm like, okay, two weeks later, there's a model lift, you know, <laughs> a couple of weeks after that, there's Atlas stones. And we had this unbelievable 900 square foot room. And I taught boxing and kickboxing under TPS's name. So I sublet space from him. And then uh, we grew and grew and grew. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I ever made business-wise was he offered me the ability to buy the building for very short money, and I didn't think it was big enough. Uh, so the whole building was only about 
2,200 square feet. And I didn't think it was big enough to do what I wanted to do. So I leased a building uh, pretty much right next door that was uh, 7,000 square feet. And that place was awesome. Uh, it kind of looked like the barn in Rocky two or Rocky three, where he trained to fight Drago. Uh, that place was awesome. We do uh, powerlifting coaching, strongman coaching, not so much strongman anymore because um, my body just won't do it. So I can't demonstrate it. So it's kind of taking a back seat. Uh, but we still offer it. Uh, we had Olympic weightlifting for years, but I don't coach that anymore. My, my weightlifting coach uh, has formed his own club. Uh, so we're pri primarily focused on powerlifting. And we have, uh, so, you know, we've trained people from, you know, state to national world records and whatever, right? All that bullshit. But uh, the second location was 7,000 square feet. And let's just say that the landlord there was less than agreeable. Uh, my five-year lease ran out, but he was in the building every day telling me he was going to kick me out. Uh, he's just one of those guys. He mentioned his name in that city and everybody goes, oh, that guy. Uh, so he's just, he was a very unreasonable person to deal with. And uh, it, the word was out that I was looking for space. And a friend of mine who was pretty big with the city uh, told me that a, a guy that owned the building that a gold's gym is in, in the same town in Everett, uh, was looking to rent the space because the tenant just up and left. And that was a 40, 30,000 square feet location. And I didn't want a 30,000 square foot gym, but that landlord was absolutely amazing. One of the best people I have met in my life. And he allowed me to move in there at the same rate I was paying for the 7,000 square feet and gradually build my, my rent up to market rate over the course of a couple of years. <clears throat> so we ended up growing that to 40,000 square feet. We took uh, the second floor of the building. So we had the second, third floor. We were about 40,000 square feet and the second floor was all boxing and MMA. It was about 7,500 square feet, 20 foot ring, 15 or 20 bags, uh, about 2,000 square feet of mat space. And I had an unbelievable team down there coaching uh, the boxing and MMA for me. And then upstairs was, you know, everything that we always do. And we've got an enormous personal training department. We run the TPS method. We've been doing that for about 12 years, 10, 12 years. That's my own personal training system for groups, uh, which is kind of unique in the way that it's operated and also coached. Uh, we could talk about that in a bit if you want. But yeah. um, So my lease there uh, ran out and I renewed it for my second five years. And about a month after I renewed it, the landlord came in and gave me some bad news that he was selling the building and I had to get out. There was a casino being built around the corner. The, uh, the Encore Casino was being built and uh, they wanted to put a hotel in. So they, they ended up turning my building into a boutique hotel. But, hotel. but the landlord uh, had given us um, a year to get out. And we were almost out of business because I looked at, when I say every piece of commercial property, I looked at every piece of available commercial property uh, in Everett Mall and in all the adjacent towns. And there was nothing suitable except for the building that I'm in. It was all for one reason or another, not enough parking. Uh, it would have cost 300000 to build out or whatever. So the building I'm in now, uh, we almost lost because somebody tried to upbid me on the lease, but the landlord changed their mind at the last minute and gave us the lease. So now we're in this amazing 10,000 square foot location, ground level. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. It, it's just awesome. I love this building. Uh, and my landlord's great. Uh, so, you know, I had three good, landlord, three good landlords and one bad landlord, and now I got a good one. So we're doing okay here. So this is our fourth location and hopefully our last. And, you know, the prime rule of owning a business is that you want to buy that building. But my greatest mistake was not buying the first building uh, when it was offered. And I tried to buy the second building and I tried to buy the third building. Couldn't do it. And I'm going to try to buy this building when we get out of this.
Yeah. So we'll yeah. see what happens, you know, yeah. but hopefully this is our last location. And, and you know, so it's, 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 a, it's a great building. We have 10,000 square feet divided up into four 2,500 square foot rooms. One is the personal training room. Uh, that's set up kind of like a CrossFit box, but we don't do CrossFit, but it's the same idea, the big rack and, you know, a couple of glued hand benches, dumbbells, bands, all that stuff. Anything you can do, anything you need to do, you can do. Uh, another 2,500 square feet is some cardio machines, lobby, entry area, and a heavy bag uh, MMA room. It's small. It's about 500 square feet. Uh, and then we have two 2,500 square foot sections. Uh, one is completely full of elite FTS equipment, uh, giant power racks, two monoliths, uh, reverse hyper, uh, glued ham, 45 back rays, you name it. Anything that elite sells, we have. Uh, we also have one of Fred Hatfield's power racks that he gave me as a gift out of his house. That's uh, cool. is, yeah, that's really cool, I think. And uh, we also have Jay Farouge's rack out of the original uh, Renegade Strength when he moved from Jersey. He called me up and said, uh, you want my equipment? I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's like, just come get it. I'm like, all right, bro, I'll come get it. So I sent something <laughs> out of Jersey. So I got his rack out of Renegade, which is, you know, another historical piece to me. Um, and then the other 2,500 square feet is uh, turf or as we like to call it, T-U-R-P-H, turf. <laughs> and uh, there's a whole bunch of strongman stuff in there, the Atlas Stones, frames, farmer's walks, logs, yokes, uh, and four uh, Olympic weightlifting platforms and uh, the belt squats in there. So it's it's a pretty pretty big space, but it's kind of sectioned off a little bit. Uh, when we first moved in, I wanted to knock all the walls down. And uh, my buddy told me he was doing the GC for me. He said, leave them up. And it'll, it'll create a different flow and it'll probably work out well. He was right. It worked out pretty good. Uh, so the rooms are kind of sectioned, but they have big giant doorways. So they're not completely shut off from each other. Yeah. And it keeps it, it doesn't seem as crowded when the building's full because there's, you know, if there's 40 people in the building, there'll be 15 in one room, 15 in another room, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's great. That's, that's cool. I know we're dealing with, so we're, our gym will be two, legally two years old next there's actually in a couple of days, and then um, do what? It, 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 it seems like it was the other day. I know, I know. It'll be two years this weekend, and then um, I remember talking to you on the phone about stuff to do, and it seems like it was just. I know, I know. Wow. Um, so we, so luckily the way our lease is, we got we very, we lucked out. I know the owner, so um, we we got an option at year one, which was ops awesome. So if you know, shit's hitting the fan. We can get out and not lose our house and our, our entire life. Um, and then we got an option at year three and year five. So we're kind of at that point where we're growing really well. Pre COVID, we were growing really well. We had our three best months fiscally, January, February, March, which is what you want to see from a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, the COVID thing kind of put things on hold. So we're, you know, we're trying to decide, you know, like you said, do we want to buy the building? Because he's already said, when you want to buy the building, come talk to me. Because they don't want buy the building. Anymore. Buy the building. Okay, buy the so, building. So we're we're on the on the fence of it. I'm not sure we will do it. You know, <laughs> this year or next year. But I would say we have a five year lease with an option at year one and year three. So do like, a lease to own. Do what? See if I let you do a lease to own right now. Okay. So um, so we're kind of trying to figure all that all that out because there is it is a very big building. Uh, total square footage. Ours is only seven thousand, but total square footage, um, including the the basement for storage and everything. So there's actually three leasable spaces. We've got the one. We've got the biggest one, the most open one, is uh, a little under fifty five thousand. So it is a huge oh. building. 
So um, that's something I, I totally understand that. And I'm glad you said you wish you would have, because we've, I've talked with my wife and, and while we were on the fence of it, we have kind of decided, you know, we, we kind of hope that we can do that. Um, and then that way, you know, essentially one day our, our gym is basically skate free because people are paying off the mortgage and everything else. Right. And then, you know, everything right. that comes to the gym is, is profit at that point. So, um, but yeah, so with, uh, talk about your, your personal training with the, the TPS method and everything. I think, so for us where we are, Boston is obviously, you know, um, very big. Um, and we're very, very small where we are. Our whole County is only 110,000 people. So, we have more than um, my city. <laughs> so um, we we brought the semi-private to our area. We're the only gym that does semi-private, which I think gives us a little bit of an edge there by itself. But most people come in and they're very personal trainer. They're like, what do you mean that it's not one-on-one? Like, I, I don't understand. I want to work with the trainer. And we're like, well, the floor is coached all day long. So you might work with, you know, I'm there every waking hour. So you might work with me, but you might also work with my wife, maybe coaching that day or our other or employee, Andrew might be coaching that day. So, you know, it just depends on the day and the time that you come in and you're going to register for that time. So, you know, if you don't want to work with me, that's fine. Register with the one that my wife's going to do. Um, so explain your TPS method because that was the hardest sell initially that we had to get people and now people like it because as you know when you do a semi-private model the overall the the service is just as good if not better the pricing structure is better in favor for the consumer but we can also walk out and have a higher rate and return on investment per hour so to speak so go ahead and talk on your your tps method and how you guys do stuff there so let's go back to personal training for a second, right? So when I started doing this in the late 80s and uh, through the late 80s, early 90s, personal training was the way to go because that's all that was offered and that's all we knew, right? So, and also people had ass loads of disposable money. So that's all you knew was, was one-on-one personal training. I started doing two-on-one personal training, but we charged the full rate for each person. So if it was 50 bucks an hour, both people paid 50. So you, because it was, with one-on-one personal training as a business model, unless you've got a 300 square foot facility, it's a dog. You, you lose money on it, right? Because mm-hmm. unless you're charging an astronomical rate, because you have to generate, this business is about dollars per square foot. I mean, you know that. And it, it's first and foremost, it's a business. Nobody gets into this industry because they want to be rich because you don't make a lot of money in this industry. No. There's hardly anybody that makes a ton of money. Um, there's a couple people, but not a lot. Um, and that's going to be like your celebrity trainers that charge, you know, some movie star fucking 500 a session. You know, they're making money, yeah. but we don't all have those clients. Um, so personal training one-on-one is a dog for many reasons, in my opinion. One, it's a money loser. Uh, There's a high level of burnout doing it because if somebody's training with you two or three times a week, and then, you know, I have clients that I've had for 19 years, you know, 20 years, some of them. And you get that relationship where you can become friendly with them, but you end up being a counselor for them. They want to talk about their boss or their wife or their husband or their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And they want to tell you a story. And when you tell them, okay, it's time to shut the fuck up. You got to work. You're here to work, not to tell the <laughs> stories. A lot of people get pissy, right? So it's, it, 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 so it's emotionally draining on the person doing the job. And there's a high level of burnout in it because you're like, ah, fuck man, this dude's coming in at two o'clock and he's going to talk about his fucking wife all day. I'm like, you know, I'm not here to listen to you talk about your wife, dude. I'm listening. I'm here to give you results. So 
we started doing more, trying to get more people training together because, you know, you train with the crew, you get better results, right? Yeah. I mean, you yep. train with the team, you get better results and there's no time for fucking around. So I got to give Cosgrove the credit for it because I tried to transition over to group training for years and, and Cosgrove was telling me one night, everybody should know who Alan Cosgrove yes, is. They don't look him up. He's, a, he's a genius. Um, very, very smart guy. Very good guy. Very good coach. Um, brilliant business mind. And, and he told me, just don't offer it anymore. Just don't offer it. Only offer group. So I had a lot of resistance from my staff and I pushed it off and pushed it off. And finally one day I said, you know what? I signed the fucking checks. This is what we're doing. Uh, so we did it. And we started offering group training. And if you do semi-private training where, you know, certain places, I don't want to say names, but are famous for having one coach with 25 people of various skill levels and they just throw anybody into the class. And that, that's, that's a terrible way to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we limited the size of the groups to start. So there was a certain coach to athlete ratio. Uh, so we use six as the guideline. I could probably run eight to 10 people, but we keep it at six. Uh, so when you do group training, you've done a couple things. If you're charging someone, you know, 20 bucks an hour for a session and you have 12 to 18 people in the group with three coaches, you're now making, you know, our personal training rate is 85 a session. But if I get 12 people in the room at 20 bucks an hour, I'm making a lot more than 85 a session. Yes. yes. Right. So the other thing it does is it creates a community, which is far greater than the community you create. Uh, so in a business, you want to make your business indispensable to people. You want to make it a part of their life uh, for a number of reasons. One, you'll, I'd rather sell somebody something for $200 a month for the next 10 years than $2,000 for the next six months. Yes. I'd rather have people that love my business and they want to come here because we offer them a great service and a great attitude and a great environment and a great place to be. And I think that's what we've done. Um, you know, the culture that we created here, I believe is what we want. So if you have people training in a group, they get better results. You have a greater sense of community. And the reason they get better results is because there's no time to fuck around. You know, if it's, if, if it's squat day and we have three people at one station, one squatting and two are spotting and loading, just like a regular powerlifting crew. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean they're powerlifting. It's just, it's run like a crew. Um, and it's run like a supervised crew. And we actually try to teach the members to coach each other as well. So uh, a lot of them do a very good job at that. So you can deliver, in my opinion, more results in less time with a group at a much greater dollar value to the client than you can do in one-on-ones with much less burnout on the staff. Uh, and people look forward to coming here because not only do they, they get to go to the gym and train in a place that they love, but, and they get to work with the coach they want to work with, they get to see their friends. Um, and we've had a problem where, you know, all the industry people say, do referrals, do referrals. People will love to refer you. We get zero off referrals almost uh, for our groups because most of the people say, I don't want my girlfriend here. I love her, but I don't want to train with her. I don't want my, <laughs> I don't want my friends here because they're going to fuck around with me. I want the people here that are training. So what we found is that at least in here, the people, they want to kind of keep it to themselves because we've created this culture that we're here to work um, and we're here to get results. And so that's kind of good and it kind of sucks. But, <laughs> you know, as far as the referral thing goes, but, you know, group training is the way to go. Um, and there's people talking about this hybrid method stuff now, which is a pretty good idea, but I like training people I do too. and yeah. I, I, I like training people. I, I like coaching people and the hybrid stuff. If people don't know what the hybrid stuff is. They're doing like, you know, one day in the gym and then, you know, two days remote training or you follow your own program a couple of days. And that's a great model too. And that does have some promise on the, on the long end, but 
I just like training people. So yeah. I, I'd rather, you know, do the groups three days a week. So, you know, that's where we're at with that. That's how we got into the group training. And um, sorry, I'm eating my oatmeal before I train. That's all right. Um, so the program itself is, in my opinion, obviously in my opinion, the best personal training program out there uh, because we focus on strength. Brandon, as a lifter, you know that limit strength is the most important aspect of your fitness, right? Yes. Depending, and your limit strength is going to be pertinent to what your goal is and what your level of fitness is. But, you know, if you weigh 200 pounds and you can't squat 135, you're probably not going to be in very good shape to do anything or you're going to be more resistant to it, more prone to injury. Yes. So if we can get people as strong as, as possible for what their goals are, then everything else goes up, right? So with limit strength, you know, if, if you can only squat 135 at 200 pounds, then you probably can't bang out too many good push-ups. But as your squat goes up, your ability to do push-ups goes up. So therefore, by being stronger, you can accumulate more work on everything else and therefore get more results. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, yep. right? Um, so we focus on limit strength. And we also focus on seven foundation exercises for the personal training. We have two different programs, Total Performance Method, uh, TFL, which is Training for Life. And I, I should have patented that because now everybody runs a Training for Life program. <laughs> I was first, kids. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I was first with all the bullshit you see on the Under Armour commercials, too, with people flipping ties. That was us. <laughs> uh, I can go into that story later, too, if you want. But um, we also have TPS Method for Powerlifting. I've tried a number of different ways to program over the years. Uh, I've done percentages. I've done uh, RPE. I've, I've done, you know, variations on conjugate. I've, I've done linear. You name it. I've tried all different programming. Uh, and I finally settled on my own method of programming, which is a combination of RPE and percentage-based. Um, I kind of stick with Tushia's chart because I don't feel the need to reinvent the wheel as far as the RPE goes. Uh, but we also have um, modifiers built into the program. So if there is a variation... Uh, we'll lower the RPE. Um, uh, we'll we'll make a five percent reduction in the percentage to, to accommodate for the RPE, right? So, like if you're doing a squat and it's going to be, I'm just going to make up a number, you know, five by five, seventy-five percent RPE seven. Uh, but if it's a pause squat, it's going to be five by five, seventy-five percent RPE eight, right? So we just change it by five percent. And the way we've been tweaking it over the years, we can add in any number of variations into the lift and we're pretty much dead on with the correct RPE now. So, you know, if you're doing a safety bar box squat, there's two variations there. So we have to change the percentage in the RPE accordingly. Yes. Where before we weren't accommodating for that, we, we weren't really hitting things right. And, uh, you know, if you do safety bar box squat with chain, now you get three variations, right? So it changes and people might look at it and you say, well, it's RPE uh, eight at 65%. And then they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, that was. But it's 65% in bar weight, not 65% in accommodating resistance. Yeah. You, you know where I'm going with this, right? So we, 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 we use a combination of RPE and percentage. And just strictly going back to the programming, um, you know, in my opinion, I think conjugate is probably the best way to train. Uh, and I, would, I think conjugate west side style is probably the best way to train. Um, and a lot of people have asked me why I just don't simply run that template. Uh, because if you believe in it that much, why don't you run it? I'm like, well, I can't, right? I can't afford 15 safety bars. I can't afford 15 boxes. I can't afford 30 sets of chains or 80 sets of chains. I just can't. I don't, I'm not a, a college or a high school that has that unlimited budget. Uh, so I can't run a West Side Conjugate program uh, for a group. Right. Because we might have 20 people in the group, 24 people in the group, right? Jesse Burdick is calling me on the phone. Hold on. <laughs> Jesse, I am on a podcast right now with Brandon Smithley. You want me to put you on speaker so you can say hi? 
Hold on. Brandon, say hi to Jesse. How's it going, Jesse Burdick? Hey, Brandon. How are you, brother? Good. <laughs> I'm gonna. Can I give you a call back after I train? All right, bro. Thanks. Bye. You got to leave that in. Oh, um, I will. I will. <laughs> um, Jesse's a funny motherfucker, dude. You ever He's something to him? else. He makes me laugh every time I talk to him. Um, what was I saying? Uh, you were talking about the. Oh, Westside. So, a lot of people want to know why I don't run a true Westside Conjugate program with my, with my program, and it's it's simply accommodating the space. We we don't have the equipment in the space to do it. Uh, so we 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 do run. A, you could call my program a conjugate program if you want. Uh, it's kind of a hybrid of a whole bunch of things. We use elements of conjugate, and we use you know it's it's my own thing. Um, but obviously it's nothing that I made up. It's just that I've assembled pieces and pots and found a system that works for me and works for my clients. So we use um, RPE and percentage. Uh, everybody that comes in the program, regardless of their level of experience, goes through an eight, goes through an eight week prep period. Uh, and that is a little bit more personalized. So they may not, they're not in the main group, but they're in the same room as the main group. And, you know, for people that have been training, it's, uh, it's really a four week prep period with a four week ramp up. So, if you have been training, excuse me, it's it's a, a deload period where you're going to yeah. let some fill up. And if you haven't been training, it's a ramp up period, right? And we focus heavily on proper rooting and bracing uh, and, and identifying movement flaws and things like that and, and implementing and teaching RPR and, and how to do all these things so that they they will stick with it and learn it. Because, you know, if you don't know the foundational stuff, you can't do anything. Yeah. So we, we spend about four weeks teaching them all that stuff. And we, we build each movement um, – it's like a plug and play system. We, you know, so if they don't start squatting with a bar on week one, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll start doing body weight squats, maybe to a box. We have them do some wall squats, you know, where you face the wall and learn to spread and things like that. And they have to practice and make sure the rooting and the bracing is right. And, and uh, we go with a lot of body weight movements to make sure they can master their body weight. But, you know, and once we get them through that initial eight week period and they're in the main program, the program is based on seven foundation exercises. Squat, press, that's the overhead press. Squat, press, deadlift, kettlebell swing, Turkish get-up, push-up, and plank. Uh, and all of those movements are taught the same way uh, because if your offensive coordinator is running a different system than the assistant offensive coordinator, your team's going to lose, yes. right? So we teach one variation of each one of those exercises, and we've chosen the variation we think is the best for most people. You know, so – you know, if you come in on day one as somebody that doesn't know how to squat at all, and the coach has you put your feet out as wide as you can get them, like a like a multiply power lift to squat with the bar super low on your back, you come in on your next week on squat day, and the guy has you hold the, the bar up as super as far in your neck as you can with your feet hip width and squat. Those are two perfectly acceptable variations of a squat, but to somebody that doesn't know, they're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, right. Yeah. We teach one variation because um, there's got to be continuity. And then if we do use a variation of an exercise, they know it's a variation, right? So we, we teach one variation on those seven foundation lifts. And I think if you look at those seven foundation lifts, squat, press, deadlift, kettlebell, swing, Turkish get-up, push-up, and plank, they're primal movements, they're primal functional patterns. Uh, they require a fair amount of coordination. Some of them are low skill and some of them are high skill, right? Um, and they, they, it's a very balanced program. You got to add in some pulls and you, you're good. You got everything covered right there. Yeah. So, uh, we typically go with um, day one is squat uh, and then deadlift assistance and then some type of accessory work. Uh, day two is press, uh, press assistance, some type of accessory work. Day three is deadlift and then squat assistance. 
and some type of accessory work, and there's typically abs and some kind of conditioning component built in. And we also email them out work to do on uh, two other strength days if they choose to, and we tell them to because the program is based on five to six days of activity, uh, as well as um, a couple of different conditioning workouts. They get emailed out every day, and all of those exercises are linked to a professionally produced video from tpsmethod.com uh, so that there's, there's no chance of not having success. All you have to do is plug and play. Right, so if you don't know what the exercise is, just click the link, it shows you. Um, and then, you know, the program is gonna go the way the programming goes. Sometimes we're in an intensity block with, you know, heavier percentages and lower reps, and sometimes we're in a volume block. Uh, sometimes we're doing straight sets on the assistance and accessories. Sometimes we're doing circuits. Sometimes we're doing clusters. It's all varied, you know, it's, but it's all programmed. So it's all, it's gotta be varied. It's never the same thing. And people don't get bored. And the ones that eat right and do the additional workouts uh, get tremendous results. And we've got people who've been in the program five years that don't really get the results that we want. And, you know, when I talk to them, they're like, well, bro, you, you know, you can't out train a bad diet. And I just don't feel like changing the way I eat. So they know it's not the program. And it isn't, it isn't the program, right? And then on those accessory days, uh, you know, we get day one, day two, day three in the gym and the other three to, three to four days, three, two to three days, you should, be, you should be training on your own. I don't care what they do. I want them to do something that gets them further towards their goals. So if they're MMA guys, well, they probably should be rolling two or three days yeah. uh, instead of doing extra weight training. If they're, they're spot and race people, you know, maybe they should be doing spot and race stuff. Like, you know, having somebody chase you with a stick of Bob wire and, and <laughs> Joe DeSantis is going to call me up after this and kill me for saying that. Uh, <laughs> is the phone ringing yet? Oh no, you're not live. <laughs> if the phone was live, he'd be on the phone now. Go, dude, what did you just say? Um, but so the, the accessory work and the, and the things they do on their other day should be something that gets them further towards their goals. And that's what makes the program, I think, the most complete and the most universal program going, you know, because it, it accommodates for you need to do extra activity. And, you know, if you don't want to be a bodybuilder, then you shouldn't be doing bodybuilder work. Right. Yep. Right. You know, if you're a football player, well, maybe you're other two or three days of practice. Who knows? There's a million different things. So the program has a lot of accommodation built into it and uh, for, you know, different different goals yeah yeah that's uh, that's what i'd say from like our when we talk to like personal training clients that's um i think it's probably just in general i think too many people are just like i'm gonna go to personal trainer to lose weight and it's like really the the personal training aspect of it's there to kind of teach you how to move not only correctly but underneath load and which exercises to use that are going to get you closer towards your your goals because most people if they just go to the gym they're going to sit on some dinky machine and push it and pull it and do some leg extensions and they're like oh you know i, I got a good workout in it's like you know that those exercises aren't going to do a damn thing to help you with the rest of your life but like you said with your seven foundational movements which we we use all of those um you know if we use those those are probably not only going to help you lose weight and feel better but as you age and get older you're going to find that you're able to continue to do what you want to do you're not going to have to go hire that personal trainer or hire one again and to try to get back to, to square one, so to speak. So yeah, that, uh, and then the, the building the stuff into, uh, their life, that's, that's incredibly important because I, I tell people that if, you know, if, if you're only coming here to lift two or three times a week and, and train with me or my wife or Andrew and, and our, our team, you know, I don't think that's exactly the best. I appreciate it, but you know, I'd like to see you outside doing something once mm -hmm. or twice a week, especially when the weather is like it is now and when it's cool or, or you know, on the colder end of things, like find some kind of hobby that you can do that you physically enjoy doing. That might be going to the gun range or, you know, doing something like that. And that's, that's totally fine. But figure out how that incentivates 
incentivate your training to have you do whatever your life is. You know, I've obviously lifted weights long enough. That's what I like to do with my hobby. So it kind of rolls together. But, you know, if I wanted to shoot guns, I would kind of shoot my training so that I could, you know, do better at shooting guns, so to speak. I'd like to be able to shoot guns while I was lifting weights. That would be fucking bad. <laughs> um, another thing, though, on those seven foundational exercises that we teach, uh, we focus on those seven because we would rather have people be really, really technically proficient at a couple of exercises that we know deliver excellent results than to have them suck at 50 different exercises. Right, yeah. yeah. And also, which is something that we, we don't see in other programs where, you know, you go in and a lot of people throw something different at everybody all the time and you ask them why they're doing that. Well, we got to switch it up, keep them interested. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I kind of like keeping them interested with progress. And, yes. you know, if you constantly give somebody something different to do, they're never going to get really good at anything. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being varied and using different exercises and variations. But, you know, I think it's our responsibility to let them understand that the basics are as important as it gets. Because if you don't master the basics, then, you know, you're not going to master much else. Yeah. I, within four months of my gym being open, I was working with a kid and uh, his mom was, was watching. And this kid was, you know, 10 or 11 years old. So, you know, old enough and mature enough to be able to do some training. And at that age, you know, it's a lot of body weight, band, med ball, light kettlebell stuff. So we're not talking about putting a barbell on this kid's back, so to speak. And um, I was, I was teaching him the split squat and, you know, he's having a hard time learning how to just control the movement. So, you know, I take him over to the rig so he can hold on to something. And his mom pulled me over and she's like, this is the fourth training session in a row that he's been to that he's been doing these split squats and you need to mix it up. He needs variation. He needs to have stimulation, and, and you got you to shock the body. And I said, I'm sorry, man, but if your kid cannot do a split squat, he guess what? His running mechanics are going to suck. Like this is, a, this is the most basic single-leg exercise other than a single-leg glute bridge. This is what, the most single-leg exercise you can do. Appearance? Do what? What was her physical appearance? Was she jacked? Uh, she had some lifting experience, and okay. – uh, I mean, she was moderately attractive. Well, I didn't and, attract. I mean, a lot of times you see somebody that's 300 fucking pounds telling you stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. This, this I, don't mean, I, don't, I don't mean Donnie Thompson 300 pounds. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, she had lifting, quote-unquote, experience by lifting at you know, a 24-hour place and doing some barbell stuff. And she may have squatted 200 pounds or something like that. I don't know. But And I will say this. She was – staturally-wise, she was a big mom. Like, you could tell that she had sports background in her for sure. Okay. Not I, I was just, I, I was, I was expecting you to say that she, she looked yeah. like. That'd make the story better, but yeah. I was so, trying to make so, the story better, but you should have just said she was 800 pounds. Yeah. 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 So, oh, but, oh, but obviously like, I, I understand what you mean when you're saying, you know, you drill the basics and it, 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 it really stinks when my population working with kids, parents want that flashy quick sell stuff. And, and I'm not about that. You know, am I going to have your kid push the prowler and throw balls and stuff. Absolutely. But, you know, at the same time, like I got to put in the meat and potatoes or the basic stuff that, that works. You know, I can't, I can't have your kid trying to do all these crazy plyometrics, you know, from day people one where he can't control a split squat. Yeah. People don't understand that we have a responsibility and, and, you know, we're going to be much more objective for you or your kid's level of, uh, of work and, and ability and, Everybody, not everybody, I mean, but a lot of people think that their kid is the greatest athlete in the world and this, that, and the other thing. And they don't understand we have a responsibility to only allow them to do things they're capable of doing. And if we, if we allow them to do things that they're not capable of doing, then we're going to get them hurt. Yes. 
Yes. But people just, well, you know, the place down the street does that. Well, fucking good. Go to the place down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't come to your work and tell you how to do your job. And what I tell people when I get resistance like that, and I stole this from Fred Hatfield, um, and I used to just be gruff about it, but now I'm kind of like, you know, you entrusted us with, with your, your child and your money uh, based on what, you know, if you call looking at the internet research, you've done a little research. Yeah. And I put it to you like this. If you bring your car to the transmission shop, do you tell the guy how to fix the transmission? And they always look at me and go, no. Well, the human body is infinitely more complex than a transmission. And I, I, I understand what I'm doing and I know how to do my job. So if, if, if you just trust us, we, we get the results or else we wouldn't be getting the accolades that we get. So yeah, because it's not what you think we should do. I've been doing this as a professional coach for 30 years. Yeah. Maybe I know just a little. Yeah. And maybe I know just a little more than the parent that thinks his kid is ready for D1 football at age nine. <laughs> right. But right. That's what you deal with. Yes. 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 And I, I'll with. admit that we don't see it very often, but you know, as it, it, I was, cause I was kind of in a tough spot because, you know, my gym's four months old. I was also working another full-time job to make sure that the, the gym can make, cause I didn't take out any kind of loans or anything for my gym. So like, well, I'm happy to say that my gym is my gym. Nobody owns my gym, no bank or anything. Um, that, you know, I, I, could, I, I could say that until Corona hit and now the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, it's kind of that conundrum where like, you know, you got to not only have to give results because the referral process is, is huge. Kids are going to go brag when they do stuff well and, and parents brag more than the kids do. And I was just like, and I've dealt with hard clients and hard parents. That's never been a problem, but you know, it was just like, I, I want to give your kid what you want, but at the same time, it was just a really, really tough spot. And I think, unfortunately as a trainer or coach, you cannot teach that situation until you're in that situation. You can have, the best line to, to try to sell parents or convince them or whatever. But there's just, there's always going to be those tough people. And that's the, the only tough time I've ever had to have to deal with that with my gym. And that's, um, I, I guess it's just, I think a lot of people need to understand that that's part of the job and you're going to have that, especially in my business with kids because parents love your kids. Every you should love your kids as a parent. And I, I think a lot of people want to see that. And it's like, like you said, you entrusted us. Just, just give me some time. It's been the third training session. Nobody got great with three hours of strength conditioning training. So, oh, well, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's it's it it is tough, and um, we don't really deal with kids so much anymore. Um, which I'm okay with. Uh, I, you know, having the high school kids in is okay. We don't have we have a few young kids. We don't really run any kids programs anymore. Primarily all adult. Uh, which which is just fine with me, but not that I don't like training kids. I, I really don't like dealing with the parents. Yeah, you know. Um, so uh, it, it's whatever, dude. Whatever you want to do, you do, and that's great. And maybe we'll take some kids groups on again. But I'm all set with dealing with the parents. Um, yeah. Been there, done that. So I know. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your gym. I know you won. Uh, bosses and best gym multiple times. Um, yeah, so we won, we won um, America's 20 best gyms from men's health twice. Uh, we won best of Boston from Boston magazine, which is actually extremely prestigious around here. And that you don't even know you're in the running for that. They just tell you, you won. It's not like a thing you vote on. I don't know how they picked that. Uh, but I was kind of shocked when we hit, we won that we've won 
uh, Best of Women's Health magazine, another one that we didn't know we were in the running for. Uh, and I forget what else. And there's a whole bunch of those little ones that you win. Like, um, like Boston's got a couple of them. There's, you know, not just best of Boston, but there's a few. We've come in second or third in a lot of that other stuff, which I can't even remember the names because I don't really pay attention to them. But most of those are popularity contests where you have to push the email votes and ask people to vote for you. And we took second uh, in a couple of those in different categories over a number of years against gyms with thousands of members. Yeah. So, you know, but like the men's health and the men's fitness and, and the best of Boston, you don't get to, to vote on those. So those to me mean a lot more. Um, but, you know, it's great. It's awesome that we won that stuff. But I'd, I'd rather, you know, have people locally say, wow, we know that gym's great. We've heard that gym's great from the people in the neighborhood or the people that go there. Right, yeah. yeah you don't, you're, not, you're not exactly got people banging down your doors for winning a best gym award. That's, that's no, you know what, though, when, we hit, when we hit best of Boston, we did. We had a, we had a surge. Um, okay. We actually did. Uh, and the men's health thing, we, we had a surge. And the other ones, we didn't. There was nothing. Uh, I get I get a fair amount of uh, people come in from elite as well yeah. uh, that have read my my dribble uh, <laughs> on elite FTS yeah and that, that's a great uh, to me um, you know like winning the best of Boston or being on staff I was on the advisory board for muscle and fitness and men's fitness for I don't I might still be I don't even know if I am <laughs> <laughs> I haven't picked up a magazine in years I haven't had an assignment in a while but I was on the advisory for ten years or something like that. Uh, and when your name's on the inside of the magazine like that and you have an article with the byline, you can't buy that kind of credibility. You right, know? Right. So it's great. But I think being affiliated with Dave and the team at Elite FTS has done so much for my career. Um, I, I've, I've said this a million times. I, I can't thank them enough for allowing me to be on that team. Yep. And I, I try to live up to their code, which is the same code. They have the same values as I do. Uh, but I try to live up to the, to the code that, that they instill and the culture they instill because culture coaches when you're not around. And uh, I firmly believe that. And, you know, like we said earlier, look at you look at that list of people that I'm affiliated with and you're affiliated with. And I had this conversation with Annie last week. You know, I, I was explaining to him, like, you've been elevated to that level at Team Elite FTS and you are now a peer with these people that are some of the greats, yeah. the greatest people that have ever been involved in strength you're a peer with you can you can call them up or email them right now and ask them for help and they'll stop what they're doing and give it to you and, and for dave to compile a team dave and tracy to compile a team of 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 people that are of just such high caliber uh is to be affiliated with that to me i still i sometimes i i like my my team shirt is my weekend shirt and i put that on and i look at it and i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah you know? yeah i I remember you got your shirt. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I, the thing I want to talk about was the 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 learn to train. I think the first time I ever met you was I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't the one I got sponsored at. It, five, six. I don't. I don't remember which one. It was the first one. I know I was in Julia's group. I know that much. But yeah, that was the first time I had actually met you. I had read your stuff on on Elite, so I I had known. Yeah, we, we looked at the short people and said we didn't want him in our group. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, and then obviously that whatever year that was, but with Casey that we joined the team, yeah, that was um, that was really cool. I, me and my wife were talking about that the other day because she asked me how long I'd been. I had to sit down and think about it. And I said, "Yeah, I love everything that um, Elite has done." And I said, "I said just, I was like just the 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 if you go to the 
the like in the alumni page that's on their website like the the names that are on that list are incredible the the amount of world records and the mm-hmm. coaches and the people and the gym owners and i think for people that are younger that don't know about elite's history as much which your gym is basically as old as, as elite fts which i said a lot um that uh the like uh, you've already dropped some of the names that were on those old q a's with Alwyn and Jay Ferugia and Zach Evanesh and uh, DeFranco. And I mean, those are people that now while they have their own brands and they're the, what they were able to provide for strength and conditioning at that time was really, really good. So I, like I said, to be on that list is incredible. I mean, dude, one of my best friends is, is, is from elite and like, he's the, he's a fucking legend. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a fucking legend. And he's one of my best friends now. It's Spud. Mark Bobby's yeah, one yeah. of my close friends. And like if you look, he he's he's one of these dudes that was doing shit that human bodies weren't capable of doing. You know, so yeah. so if you look at some of the stuff the numbers guys were putting up years ago, it's you know, it's like the five minute mile. Nobody was lifting those weights now, but they're a little bit more commonplace today. But back then those those, those things were earth shattering. Yeah. And like yeah. Chad Ike's. Like I, I call Chad drunk at one in the morning sometimes. He's like, dude, I miss you so much. It's like <laughs> You know, I'm friends with these guys now that I remember reading about in PLUSA. Going, wow, look at these dudes. They're doing all this great shit. And, and like, there's, there's so many great people. Julia, I'm friends with Julia. She's a legend in this industry. You know, there's so many outstanding people with, with, with so much intelligence and such good character that we're able to, to be friends with now because of this team. Yeah. To, that's, you know, if you have a business question, you can call up somebody that's already been there. Right. That's and what I did to you. That's what I do yeah. 99% of the time with this whole coronavirus thing. You were the freaking first phone call I had. I'll drop, I'll drop what I'm doing for you, bro. You know that. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's just, it's unreal. And it's, 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 I don't know. So yeah, I've been around the team for a long time and, and uh, it's, it's been, I think a huge part of my success because a lot of times my temper wasn't as controlled as it is now. And uh, I yeah. would call I would call Dave up. I'm like, he's like, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to go punch the motherfucker in the face. You know, I'm like, uh, yeah. It's like, do you really think that that's what you should do? I'm like, mm. you, you know what I mean? So yeah. just even, even stupid shit like that, you know, it's, uh, you know, you wouldn't be where you are without the people that you surround yourself with. And, and, and I, I'm not a religious person, but I was blessed that, that Dave chose me to be, you know, one of those, uh, one of those original period members. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still there. And it's, I don't know. We can probably go back and forth with this for hours. Probably straight topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess. I want to cut some of that out. Yeah. So uh, with, with that, I guess how it, it kind of gives me this, I don't even know the story backstory behind this. How did you first meet Dave Tate and get affiliated with? So, I believe it was his first or second force production seminar that he had ever run. Um, I don't want to say it was the first or second, but I believe it was the first because the website was fairly brand new and it was right around. It was, was, when did he start? 98? Yes. It was 98 or 99. Um, So a friend of mine owned a place called Highland Strength and he was a strong man and a weightlifter, but he brought Dave out. Uh, to do a force production seminar. He called me up. He goes, dude, you got to come up. And Dave Tate's coming. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what? Dave Tate's coming? He's like, you know, so 
you know, I, I went to the seminar with uh, my friend Rich and my friend Tony LaRusso. He's actually a, a huge CrossFit guy now, but he came from Strongman. And uh, we went to the seminar and it, Dave taught it by himself and it was unbelievable. And I had a question on squats. So he put two plates on the bar and a couple of green bands and he probably made me do a hundred squats. <laughs> he was pausing me on the box for 10 seconds, 20 seconds. I was fucking dead, bro. I was dead. I thought I was, I really, I thought I was going to die, but I'm not racking the bar and putting it away and saying, I'm done, dude. I'm just, I'm listening to doing what Dave Tate says. So afterwards I'm like, bro, what the fuck? He goes, ah, you squats look really good. I just wanted to kind of see what I could put you through. I'm like, you're fucking <laughs> And then we, we kind of became friends. Like it was, that's kind of the way the conversation went. And, you know, I got his email. We, we ended up emailing back and forth and started talking. And then before you know it, write me an article, you know, and then let's get you on the Q&A. And, and then, okay, you're officially part of the team. Uh, I don't really remember how it all happened because it was, I hate using the term organic to sound like a yuppie, but it all just kind of happened organic. Like I met him, we, we, we hit it off and, and not, you know, he, he tried to embarrass me under the squat bar and, uh, he probably did, <laughs> you know, but you know, you know what it's like squatting with a couple of bands on there and doing, when I tell you, I might've done a hundred reps. I'm not kidding. I might've done a hundred reps over the course of 15, 20 minutes. He just kept fucking having me do doubles. I'm like, bro, I'm going to die. Um, and that's, that's really how it went, you know? And then I had him out here, uh, for a whole bunch of seminars out here at uh, a couple different places, a couple different locations. And the funny story is, um, he called me up and he says, listen, when I get to the airport, I need you to pick up Jim. I'm like, who the fuck is Jim? He goes, I just hired him. He goes, you'll love him. I'm like, all right, how will I know it's him? He goes, you'll know. <laughs> so I pull up and it's probably fucking 20 degrees, 10 degrees out, right? It's in like February in Boston and the airport and the airport's right on the water. So it's really cold. And a guy walks out with a pair of flip-flops, cargo shorts, a flannel shirt, Backwards baseball hat, giant goatee. Looks like he just rolled out of the gutter in a, in a dip the size of Minneapolis sticking out of his chin. And I rolled the window down because I'm like, this got to be him. And I'm like, Jim? And he goes, Murph? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, does this cock ring make me look fat? <laughs> and I'm like, I love you. <laughs> but that was funny. That's the first time I met Jim. And, uh, you know, we kind of hit it off too. We became friends over that weekend. And you know, that's, that's how it goes, you know. Yeah. But I thought it was funny asking Dave, how will I know, how will I know him? He's like, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> <Then he stopped. laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the, the last things I kind of want to talk to you, we were kind of talking about the, the gym and like I, I called you whenever I was going to open, open mine. I know, I know a lot of the people that listen to this are either in the industry or maybe they want to, they might be a trainer coach and think about opening their own place as somebody that's done this for 20 some years. Um, you don't have to go through every single step, but like some really good key points that you think people should take away if they want to try to open their own facility, whether it even be like someone like mine, that's a little bit more sports performance driven or, or one like yours where it's more um, personal training and strength sport strong. Um, what do you recommend for the people wanting to do that? Don't. <laughs> I, 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 logistically, I agree. Yeah, don't. They don't want to know what's involved. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of money in this business. Uh, and this business runs on low margins. So unless you want to work in your first, I mean, I still work 50 hours a week. And I've been doing, I've owned my own business 21 years. Uh, but unless you want to work 60, 70 hours a week uh, and take home almost no pay, don't. Um, 
but if you make the decision to do it, it's probably going to be, you'll probably be happy at doing this because with all of the bullshit that you have to deal with, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else than this. Uh, you don't, you don't do this because you want to make money. You do this because you love what you do. And the best advice I think is going to be, um, if you're already a competent coach, then you probably have the skills to do the job. And if you, if you don't know if you're a competent coach, then you're not. Um, let's just put it that way. So you, you need to make sure that your coaching skills are up to, le up to the level because the amount of good coaches that are out there now versus seven or eight years ago is astronomical. Um, yeah. There's a lot of good coaches out there now. Uh, and, and, and I'm not one to toss around a compliment, but there's a lot of people that are really good at their jobs now. So you, you're going to be going into a somewhat competitive field. Um, and the next thing I would say is that if you don't know how to operate a business like a business, you better learn fast. There's a lot of resources that you can use to do that. You can take courses on Udemy for free, uh, which is probably not the best way to do it. But um, you need, how to, need to learn how to run a business. You need to learn how to read a balance sheet, how to run QuickBooks, how to project sales, how to forecast sales. Um, you need to sit down and figure out what your expenses are and factor in things that you would never consider because nobody figures in the cost of toilet paper. But I'll tell you right now, I pay about <laughs> 500 bucks a month for toilet paper. Um, you, you need to learn how to run a business because it's a business. And another thing is all your friends are going to want to trade for free uh, or they're going to want a discount and you know, you want to give it to them. But you know, Dave Tate said this to me and he said, Murph's got to eat too. So, you know, if, if your friend, says that they want to train for free and you tell them, well, we have a friend family rate, which is a 20% discount. That's the best I can offer you. And I don't mean your best friend. I don't mean like the kid that you were in baby carriages with together and things like that. Uh, but everybody's got lots of friends. Everybody, I'm air quoting friends. Yes. You know, if your best friend, uh, I wouldn't take my best friend's money, but uh, you guys understand what I'm saying. Everybody is going to want to train for free or a discount. And they're going to get mad when you don't give it to them. But, when your business closes because you let everybody train for $20 a month instead of $90 a month, uh, are they going to come over and knock on the door and say, bro, here's 1800 bucks for your mortgage because you gave me that discount all those years. Fuck. No, they're not. Right. So you're running a business. Uh, people are going to ask you for a free t-shirt. If you didn't budget a thousand dollars to buy free t-shirts to give away, people don't care that that t-shirt might've cost you $15 if it's a three color shirt or yeah. people don't care that that hoodie cost you 20. So you give away 10 hoodies. Now you're out 200 bucks plus another 10 t-shirts you're out 400 bucks. How many memberships do you got to sell on such a low margin to make up for that? And you can justify it in your brain that it's a promotional cost, but it's not because if it was promotional cost. It would be out of your promotional budget. Yeah. It's little things that people don't realize, but learn how to operate a business and then look at all these other factors. Like, you know, there's so many do you have to, you have to learn, you have to know social media, uh, you have to know marketing. Um, you have to know SEO because it's, you know, I did all this on my own because the internet basically didn't exist when I started this company. So I learned a lot of that stuff as it was developing, but I don't even SEO now is search engine optimization for people that aren't sure what I'm talking about. You know, if your website doesn't rank first organically on a Google search in your, in your region, then you, you're not going to be doing a lot of business. Yeah. Um, you know, mine does. Mine does too. Uh, and it should. Uh, but if you don't know how to do SEO, then you know that that's something you're gonna to have to pay somebody to do, and it's worth ten times what they charged you because you're gonna get the money out of that. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know how to use Instagram for marketing, and I think uh, I'm not going down the Snapchat route, but I'm hearing from some people that that's a valid route too. But Instagram is probably the best marketing tool we've ever seen for free. 
Uh, and you can, you can take out an Instagram ad for, for 10 bucks and, 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 and get a membership out of it. Every time I run, run an ad, I get a membership. So I spend 10 bucks, I get a $39 basic membership or a $259 premium membership. So that 10 bucks was well worth it because that 39 bucks is times six, right? So yep. a lot of little things that you got to know, but like I've, I've said it four or five times, and if this was a class and there was a test, it would be on the test, learn how to run a business. Uh, and there's too many things about running a business for me to tell you in a podcast, unless it was a, how do you run a business podcast? Right, which it right. is. Uh, you need to operate a business. So I mean, if you're not fortunate like Brandon to be part of a team that's got a bunch of people that have been doing this forever, find somebody, right? There's, um, there's like score service core retired executives. They'll give you free business advice and they, they have mentoring programs and things like that. There's all kinds of places you can go. Uh, but it, it's gotta be run like a business and, uh, you know, you're going to have to get sales procedures done. And uh, this is a, this is a good podcast we could talk about too, but you have to have an intake process um, and, and, and a sales procedure. So if, you know, if you have a front desk and somebody comes in for a tour, you have to have a procedure as to how that's handled or else you're going to lose leads. You know, you're going to, you're going to look at every single person that comes in as what's the potential lifetime value of a client. And if what I'm saying is over your head and you're considering opening a business, don't fucking open a business because you'll be broken five months. Right. Yep. So like, you know, lifetime value of a client, you got to know what that is for your business was for us. We have a uh, basic membership or uh, premium membership or personal training, you know? So if you just took the hypothetical value that a, a basic membership client's lifetime value <clears throat> is 1800 bucks, right? Cause they're going to stay two years, right? Yeah. Cause it's cramps in society in Boston. People move all the time. Um, and the bulk of our cancellations are cause of moving. Um, so, you know, people, we have a lot of students too. So, if you don't know what that lifetime value is, and let's just put the hypothetical number of $1,800 on a basic client's client and, and one person walks in the door and you don't have a system in place to handle incoming prospects and three people came in this week, you know, you just lost 4,500 bucks because yeah. you're a fool that shouldn't own a business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. I, mean, I, I think me and my wife, cause our, our point of sale system tracks all that for us. It gives us an, an average value for our, our our services and the average yeah. overall, whatever. And, and that's pretty much the way that we have talked about whenever we um, do our introduction. I don't want to call it a sales pitch because it, it's not the, the first thing we say to them is not a sales pitch, but the introduction to get to the sales so you, pitch. So let me speak. ask you a question. Are you on a main road? Uh, no, we're on a, so, a moderately so, so-so road, but we're so not on a big road. Everybody, pretty much everybody that's going to come into you is already somewhat pre-qualified. Yes. Because they had to come find you. Yes. Yeah. So if somebody's opening up a strip mall, there's going to be a lot of looky-loos in there. Basically, everybody that comes into us is pre-qualified because we're in a commercial district. Even though we're in a city, we'll buy the tea. We're near Boston. It's a high-traffic city. We're in the commercial area of the city. So there's no homes or residences around us. You know, there's a national grid uh, parking lot across the street. There's a, there's a warehouse next door. There's a factory next door. So if you come into my door, you're already pre-qualified because you've taken the step to find out where we are. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's, you're gonna have, you, you should have a higher conversion ratio in a facility like mine or yours because they've already taken that step to qualify themselves. Yes. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And if you and don't know, what a, if you don't know what a pre-qualified lead versus an unqualified lead is, don't open a business. <laughs> yeah. And so we, uh, we, we talk about that, about what that average value is. And I, and I say, you know, like, if we know that what the average value is, we need to make our discussions and the way we treat them two to three times that, because that's just the average. So if they're, like you said, for your example, if the person that walks in the doors and it's worth $1,800, well, we need to treat them like they're five grand. 
because we want to yep. get them to last. Not only we don't we want to exceed that eighteen hundred. We want three, four, five thousand dollars out of that potential client or person. And if you treat them like that and give them that kind of warm, extended welcoming, you know that it makes the the sale, the ability to communicate and sale much more driven intrinsically for us than if you just say, Oh, Hey, somebody new just popped in the gym. Like, no, I want to, I want to show you what we have, what we do better than everybody else and what the the system and this family is like. So that when you, you sign up, you're not just paying, you know, your X amount of money to be able to, to use what we have, like know that we're here to answer your questions and we do cookout based stuff and things together. And, and we, it's like this, this whole COVID thing, you know, we, had that pre little area where like, if you were, if you were not part of the gym, I don't care if you're a new person or not, you were not coming in my facility. These are people that supported me. I'm going to give you that benefit of, of doing that. And so that, yeah, that I like, value, I like so. people, when people come in, I like to find out what they want. Uh, and then yeah, we, yeah. we add our conversation towards what they want because you, you know, we're selling the invisible. And if you don't understand what selling the invisible is, don't open a gym. Um, you know, but we want to find the pain and then release the pain because somebody's always got the pain. There's always a pain. That's a, that's a term, right? So, you know, what's the pain? Well, 15 year old kid comes in and he's coming to better sports performance. He wants to make varsity. Well, that's his pain. He's not on varsity. You explain to them how you're going to release that pain. Uh, somebody comes in for one of your, your life programs and it's, uh, you know, they're 40 pounds overweight. Well, that's their pain. You can look at them and know that's what their pain is, but you want to, we always try to listen to people and, and find out what it is that they want to achieve and, if, if something we can't help with, I'll refer them to somebody, yeah. you know, if we get people committed with you off of yoga too. No, nope. well, I'm really primarily interested in yoga and I'm not really interested in strength training. Well, I can refer you to this yoga studio and then, you know, maybe you want to come back to us when you are interested in strength training. Strength training. So there's, there's so many different things, but you know, when people come in, I like to listen to them, find out what they want. And then we guide the tour by what they want. Um, you know, if somebody comes in and it's, it's a, you know, 50 year old woman that's never exercised before in her life. I'm certainly not going to take her over to the model if to show her that in the chase, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not, but yeah, yeah, people, yeah. Yeah. that's what people do. Like there's, there's people listen to this podcast. They're going to say, I would bring them over and show them the power lift and gym and all the cool shit we do. Well, it's not cool to her. It's fucking terrifying to her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, or the exact opposite. Like if some guy comes in with, with the fucking metal bench shirt over his shoulder and a pair of uh, crate wraps, and, and, and says like, bro, where's the bench? You, you have chains and bands. I'm not going to bring them over and show them the PT room. Right. I'm going to show them the elite comp bench, you know? Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta know who you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, the, the last little bit here in terms of the, the, the gym owner stuff. Um, and then some, just some good hackles. I think with, from based on that, I think I heard Alan one day, talking about that and, you know, asking uh, why, how, you know, what, what do they want? And then as they, they, they kind of tell you what they're looking for, if you're having to quote unquote make that sale that you, um, that if you can get them, if you can ask them questions and make them tell you, they'll walk themselves into the cell more than if you're like, here's, That's here's, fine this, here's this, here's this. Yeah. That's fine to pay. Yeah. Yes. That's the exact same thing. It's the, it's the exact same thing, um, but that's fine. The pain, listen to them. But it, it, some people don't want to use that term, but, but I, I personally like that term. I stole that from, I don't know, maybe Pat Rigsby or okay, yeah, yeah. one of those guys. Who's the other guy that does uh, uh, 
that sent you 5,000 emails on gym marketing and stuff? Uh, Pat Rigsby's the main one that got mine. That's Jim Labady, I think. Oh, I think okay. I, I stole that from Jim Labady. He's got some really good sales stuff. Really good okay. sales. Yeah. Um, and I've been reading his shit for fucking 20 years. But th there's one, I'm pretty sure it's Jim Labady that, 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 that uh, the only person I ever used, heard, or first person I ever heard used, use the term find the pain and then find a way to release the pain. And it's, a, it's exactly what Alan's saying. Yeah. Alan's just saying it's a different way to say it. You know, yeah. it's the same thing. So. Yeah. So just for some of the, I, I personally think you're one of the funniest people in uh, strength and conditioning and powerlifting. I know that you're, um, on, dude. you're, uh, well, I, I vividly remember that one night at one of the learn to trains, we were in that, uh, that, I don't really a have a hotel and I don't know what we were doing in the lobby. We, we were loud. That's for sure. I, I'm is pretty that, sure everybody I, was at least had a couple drinks at this point. <laughs> and that lady freaking wanted to kick you out of the lobby and made us go into the back of a, is that the night Brandon Lily was putting the bed shirt on me in the lobby and the lady was horrified that we had no shirts on. It may have been when he was showing me how to jack up the way he jacks up his shirt. It may have been, it may have been. I like, Fuck it. She was, she was absolutely furious with us. We stayed yes. at that hotel more than once, but I know one night then I was hammered. Fuck it. Everybody was hammered, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's whatever, dude. She was a little bit uptight. Yeah. And then, and then I also know the, that when I, when I, uh, they don't do this anymore, which I, I kind of missed part of that is because it was kind of Bob Young Young's thing. And, and you, you and Bob together instigate stuff quite a bit no that, idea uh, that, that uh, you tried to uh, decant me in that bar the night after I got on elite FTS. <laughs> I don't remember that. And, and well, I, I, I can't, I can't remember. I don't it. And no one's like, I don't believe that. I'm like, go to a bar with Murph and watch him probably, do something. And if you're having to get up out of the way, like Mark Murphy is somebody that would make you, you do that. I think Bob made me stand up and all the team was there. And I didn't know every single person had met every single person in person. Um, I'd obviously met you and Bob and, and some of them. And I think Todd Hammer was there and obviously Casey and, uh, and then Bob made me stand up and um, he wanted us to sing happy birthday. That was part of the ritual. And when I stood up, you tried to pull my pants down in front of the whatever that bar was. You think Bob mentally willed me to pull your pants down? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> Bob was fucking great, dude. But, and I also tell people that you're you're famous on the Elite FTS offices video when that person calls in and you ask them how can you not afford to have a monolift. Yep, yep, it's a bar. Yeah. Um. Yeah, good times, dude. Good times. Yeah. I'm probably not too funny on the podcast because I'm trying to be professional. And that's, that's okay. We've had, we've had some good laughs. So um, I guess, so I can let you get back to, to doing what you're doing with the whole COVID stuff. If, is there anything on here you want to um, add where people can kind of, kind of find you, get a hold of you, anything well, like that, go for it. I mean, people can always post comments and ask questions at the end of one of my, my coaching logs on elite FTS, but uh, I have two Instagram accounts. One is TPS at TPS Malden. One is at TPS method. Excuse me. So at TPS Malden is the gym's Instagram page, but it's, it's my Instagram page. So if you want to get a hold of me and you don't have my email, uh, at TPS Malden is probably the best way. And you should follow it because when the COVID's not around, we actually do put up some interesting content. Um, and at TPS Method is the Instagram page for my TPS Method program, which is available at tpsmethod.com. We get a seven day free trial. 
Uh, it is absolutely positively, in my opinion, the most complete resource on, there for, on the website, for on the web for strength training. We have powerlifting program from beginner through advanced for raw and equipped. Uh, we have, I don't know how many videos, but there's close to a thousand videos. They range from 10 seconds to an hour. Uh, and the 10 second ones are quick clips that you can just see how to do an exercise real quickly. They're all professionally produced. We have seminars. Uh, that we filmed, um, and unfortunately, we had four or five seminars filmed, but there was a problem with uh, the audio on them, and so they were useless. But we had some, like we had Andre Milanichev filled and filmed all kinds of really good stuff. But um, we have one, uh, we have we have a whole bunch of seminars on there that you can take online. So you know, if you were going to go to a, take a seminar and it's in the two states over, it's going to cost you 500 bucks to go to the seminar. It's going to cost you 200 bucks for a hotel. It's going to cost you 400 bucks for whiskey, um, or 20 bucks for food. Right. So you can join the website and, and take seminars for, for nothing. Um, and then we have instructional videos like, uh, you know, how to bench press, how to do the glute ham raise. And those are anywhere from, you know, half an hour to maybe an hour long. But if they're more than 10 to 15 minutes, they're broken up into chunks. So if you're you can watch a 10 minute chunk and and then just stop it and the website will pick up where you left off. Uh, so there's a ton, a ton, a ton of informational content as well as the forum. We've got a heavily moderated forum where you could just shoot a video, upload it, and one of my professional coaches will immediately give you feedback within one business day on what you did well and what needs improvement. So you're getting virtual personal training uh, the first week for free. And then uh, if you go to tpsmethod.com, there is um, two different options to join. It's I don't even know. It's like 29 bucks a month or like $199 a year or something like that. Uh, and there is a, in some of my elite coaching logs, you can go back through, there's an offer for elite FTS readers uh, that you would have to use from that log. But uh, it's the most complete product. So whether you want to do powerlifting or whether you want to take the train for life program, uh, they're both on there. Um, so if it's powerlifting, we have raw through uh, equipped. And if it's TFL, it's everything is beginner through advanced. Uh, it's all scalable and, um, and it's all, instant feedback from the coaches so you know for, for 29 bucks a month if you want to go no risk month to month what do you get to lose yeah that's a couple cups of coffee you know and even if you don't want to follow the programming let's say you go to brandon's gym and you follow his program you want to read the the articles of the educate watch the educational content i'm not saying anything that he's not going to say uh but i may say it in a different way yeah. you know he may, he may use one way like the way we just talked about with find the pain and the way alan describes the the sales process. Uh, you may say the same thing in a different way and you may understand it better the way someone else says it. Or, you know, who knows? It's a great website and it's very complete. And, you know, we had plans on upgrading it more for uh, an, an integrated engine that would do more real-time custom programming for you. But the COVID's kind of really put the, the damper on that because that costs an awful lot of money and now we don't have the money to do it. Yeah. yeah. We will. All right. Well, Murph, I appreciate your time, man. There's a lot of good stuff on here. I'm going to make sure that I have everything listed in the show notes for your, uh, your website, where they can find you on Instagram, um, some of your stuff from Elite, especially some of your, your really good articles and stuff. Cause you've got, if, it, if people are not reading your training, I go announce coaching log, not reading your coaching log on Elite FTS and they're anywhere remotely interested in strength training. Uh, they're doing themselves a huge disservice Thanks, buddy. Your, coaching, your coaching log on Elite FTS by far is worth the value of going on to Elite FTS every day and looking to see who posts what because um, I, I read all your stuff whenever you end up sharing it. And, I appreciate that. So, 
appreciate that. And you're always, like I said, you know that whenever I usually got a gym question, you're usually the first guy I call because you're, you're a no-bullshit guy. You either tell me <laughs> go for it or don't go for it, and there's really not a whole lot of uh, beating around the bush, so to speak. It, don't go for it. It's usually going to be like, what the fuck are you retarded, yeah, kid? Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> All right, bro. Let's do it again. Let's do another one. All right, I appreciate it. And hopefully when this stuff goes away, I can eventually get up there. I know me and Adrian um, are wanting to get up there to go to one of Cressy's sports performance uh, retreats for the baseball because we work with a lot of baseball and softball kids. And we really wanted to to go to that. And we had booked to do it this year. We had budgeted for it anyways. And, you know, who knows if it's going to happen now. But so if we end up getting up in that way, we're definitely coming to TPS to train. I'm here, dude. All right. Well, take care, Merv. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, B. I'll see you. Thanks for listening to Thirst for More podcast. Give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and other streaming services. Feel free to visit our website, thirstgym.com. That's T-H-I-R-S-T-G-Y-M.com. And click on the podcast tab to look over show notes and extra free resources. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Team Thirst. That's T-E-A-M period T-H-I-R-S-T or you can give me a follow at B Smitley that's B-S-M-I-T-L-E-Y for more updates on future episodes to come. I'm your host Brandon Smitley and we'll catch you at the next episode.